This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who comes equipped with a kinder, gentler machine gun hand. Here is the captain. Yeah, keep rocking in the free world. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are drinking Hop Art India Pale Ale by the good folks over at Coast Brewing Company. This is a complex year-round I to the P to the A with sweet malt and assertive hop character. ABV, 7.7% garage grade, four and a half bottle caps out of five. And let's give some cheers and thanks to people that helped us fill up the fridge this week. First up, a big cheers to Summer, sending Buffalo from Buffalo, New York. Shout out to the Bills Mafia. I was just in Buffalo, New York on Sunday. And a big shout out to Tammy in Hamilton, Ohio. Next up, we have Susan in Bellingham, Washington. And a big We Like Your Jib to Susie in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And here's a cheers to Raquel in Amarillo, Texas. And last but certainly not least, we have a big shout out to Dan Dingles in Portland, Oregon. Thank you to everyone who went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and donated to the beer fund for this week's beer run. Yeah, the big dingle. B-W-E-R-U-N, beer run. We got some great new shirts for the ladies. So check out truecrimegarage.com and click on the store page. And Colonel, that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Kansas City, 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 what road are you, what's the name of the highway that you're on? Uh, I know it's Crockerville Road. Um, I just know it's Crockerville Road? Yeah. Um, hold on just a second. And which way are you headed? Okay, uh, you know the back way to go to, uh, like you're going to Horse Brunson? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, just you're on that road just before you get into Crockerville? Turn Crockerville and make that right. Okay. Crockerville, take a right. Right, take a, take a left. Are you going six on one? Uh huh. Bamberg. Uh huh. If yeah. I'm if I'm going toward Bamberg, I'm gonna take a left onto that road. Yeah, like you're going. To, uh, I can get a road called fourteen. You can go to Sandy Run, but. But you're not on Sandy Run Road. Yeah, I think it is. This is you. This Sandy Road goes straight on out. Okay. Uh, and is it in the road or on the side of the road? It's in the road. Oh, in the road. Yeah. Uh-uh. All right. So what's your name and call that number? Uh, my name is Ronnie Caper. Okay. All right, Mr. Caper. Can I get a phone number for you? Uh, let's see. I don't know the number off the cell phone, but you can call the number back. I'm, okay. going to, I'm going to work. Okay, but this is a good number to reach you back at? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get an officer headed out that way to see what's going on. Okay. There is uh, a lady in the road, right? Uh, I ain't moving or nothing like that, but um, somebody's going to hit him. It's dark. Uh-huh. Somebody's going to hit him. All right. We'll get an officer headed out that way. Okay. All right, sir. All right. There it is. It's a 911 call. We have a driver out on a country road and he finds a lifeless body lying in the middle of the road. The body is identified to be a one Stephen Smith. Stephen Smith was just 19 years old when his body was found in the middle of a country road in Hampton County, South Carolina. Who is Stephen Smith and what does his death, which was over six years ago on July 8th, 2015, what does this death have to do with anything, with the Murdoch murders case that we're covering? Well, that's because on June 23rd, just three weeks after the Murdoch's double homicide killings, SLED released the following statement. It says SLED has opened an investigation into the death of Stephen Smith based upon information gathered during the course of of their double murder investigation of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. That really makes me curious on what evidence they found. Well, and not to really kind of put a, a marker on the severity of either situation. They're both horrific tragedies. But we've seen this movie before, right, Captain, where we have a high-profile case, a double homicide. There was one out in Delphi, Indiana, where later they tell us, hey, during the course of our double homicide investigation, we've been led on to other investigations of criminal activity that may or may not have anything to do with this double homicide. Right. So we've seen this before and it's always interesting when they're uncovering these little tidbits and breadcrumbs to lead them to 
potential other perpetrators, or maybe it is in some weird way connected. We've seen this tangled web of the Murdochs so far, and it only continues to grow and get bigger and more stranger as we go. Now, in regard to the Stephen Smith case, there's some thought that during the course of the Paul and Maggie Murdoch murder investigation, that they may have uncovered some information in regard to the Stephen Smith case from Paul Murdoch's phone. Now, I cannot confirm that that's accurate. I cannot confirm that that's true. That is the rumor that was swirling around about the same time that SLED announces, hey, we're going to be doing a full investigation into this Stephen Smith case. What's interesting is they weren't actively investigating the Stephen Smith case at the time, as far as I could find, and we'll get into that and and the reasons why. But in regard to the Stephen Smith case, this, to me, is one of the biggest mysteries in the whole Murdoch saga. What is this young man doing out in the middle of a country road in the middle of the night all by himself? When the driver finds him, he's already expired by this point. He's, he's already dead. And thank God that that guy stopped and called into 911 because this is the middle of the night. It's pitch black out there. Anybody could have just could have run the body over. Right. Which could tamper with the evidence at, at, at the scene. And you know what? I don't know how many clues we have at the scene, but as you said, it could have taken a bad crime scene and made it even worse from an investigation evidentiary standpoint. Well, let me just point this out again. The the Smith case, we're looking at it going, look, this is maybe an accident, maybe a hit and run, but let's go back to that phone, Paul's phone. You have to remember in the boating accident, the cops knew that Paul's phone was there. They should have collected Paul's phone as evidence and they never did. And clearly this is rumor and speculation, but obviously Something during the course of that Paul and Maggie Murdoch investigation led them back to 19-year-old Stephen Smith, who was killed over six years prior. In regard to this situation here, Captain, what we have here is the police are called to the scene, and they arrive on the scene of this, what's got to look like a hit and run on the surface. They arrive at 4 a.m. where they found Stephen lying in the road. Now, he had a seven and a half inch laceration on his head. His skull was crushed. There was a gaping hole in his forehead and his shoulder was dislocated. Stephen's death certificate says he died due to severe blunt force trauma to the head. The damage to Stephen's face and head was so horrific, so bad. At first, it was thought to have been a gunshot wound. Right. Then investigators decided that it was a hit and run. But by all accounts, there was zero, that's a big fat zero, evidence at the scene of a hit and run. There's no skid marks, no car parts, no paint chips. I mean, there's there's no evidence of a vehicle having been involved in whatever happened to Stephen Smith. Again, what we do know of this family is once there was a tragedy and there was a there was a dead girl that they knew and instantly instead of caring about that loss and caring about that family's suffering they instantly go into cover-up mode and protect ourselves 
protect our family mode. Yeah, and in here, in this situation with Stephen Smith, it, it looks to me like they may not know, the investigators may not know exactly what they are dealing with here. Right. Some more things from the scene. When Stephen's found, he still has his shoes on. His phone and keys were still in his pocket. And from what I've been told, those are that's not typical of a hit and run. The other thing, too, is keep in mind the location and the time of day. It's dark out there. This is a country road. This is pretty open out there. He would have been able to see a vehicle coming from a good distance away. And when investigating the this whole saga, really, the first time that you hear about this evidence, to me, it seems more like a drop point than it does an area that somebody would be hit by a car. Well, and it also seems here, Captain, that the local authorities, you know, we have the the South Carolina Highway Patrol, they're investigating, they're responding to the scene, but it sounds like there was some squabbles over, was this a, a more traditional homicide or was it an accident? Right. The thing here is important that, if it was, if Stephen was a victim or determined to be, is what I think we should say, determined to be a victim of a homicide, then the South Carolina Highway Patrol would not be the investigating agency. Okay, so they would hand that over to SLED. So that's why it's so interesting that just three weeks after the double homicide of Paul and Maggie, that we have SLED coming out and saying, we are opening up an investigation into the death of Stephen Smith. It seems like something along the way has changed from hit and run to homicide, or at least that's the thought of law enforcement at the local level. Now, the autopsy at the time did not help to clarify things. Remember, they're still arguing, is this a homicide or some kind of hit and run accident? The pathologist, this is Dr. Aaron Presnell, ruled it to be a hit and run, but was not able to really clarify why she came to the conclusion other than to say that, well, he was found on the road. So no real evidence pointing to it other than where this poor young man was found. Regardless, though, Captain, the South Carolina Highway Patrol will continue to investigate this case as it were back in 2015. Colonel, could you give us some background on Stephen Smith? Yes, it would be my pleasure there, Captain. As we said, Stephen Smith was 19 years old at the time of his death, uh, just a young man with a whole big, bright future ahead of him. He was a nursing student, and Stephen was working toward his life goal of becoming a doctor. Now, interestingly enough, we can tie him to this case in more ways than one, and one way being that he's a former classmate of Buster Murdoch. You know, we spent so much time in episodes one and two talking about the youngest son, Paul Murdoch, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time about talking about Buster Murdoch, the the older of the two sons. Yeah, the Murdoch family had the name Buster, and they were going to use it for a dog, but they never got a dog. So when they had a son, they decided to use the name Buster. Now, Stephen's body was found about 10 miles from the Murdoch's home, which sounds really interesting on the surface, but it was also, you know, his body's also found less than 10 miles from his own home. So I don't think that that really indicates anything. Now, per media reports, quote, his death has never been fully explained. Police files have suggested that Mr. Smith ran out of gas on the side of the road, 
about three miles from where his body was found. The gas cap was reportedly dangling and open. An older man who claimed to be in a relationship with Stephen told investigators that he had been on the phone with Stephen and Stephen told him that he was going to run out of gas and that some guys in a pickup truck were harassing him. And it has been mentioned before, Captain, that he, Stephen, his own words, says that he has been picked on from time to time from some of the guys in town. Well, it's a small town, and a lot of times you have small minds. And I would assume him growing up that he probably had some harassment coming from the guys about his sexuality. In January of 2016, the Highway Patrol Sergeant, his name is Todd Proctor, obtained a search warrant for Stephen Smith's phone and phone records. The search warrant affidavit states that the death was under mysterious circumstances, saying, quote, the investigation has led to this individual not, not being struck by a vehicle and possible foul play, end quote. We don't know what, if anything, was found in those phone records. But here we have the Highway Patrol doing their due diligence to check the victim's phone records. The Highway Patrol continued to investigate this case, even though, again, they do not investigate homicides. And even though this case was believed to be a murder by several troopers looking into it. But they didn't talk to many of the people who were the subject of tips. And this might be where they kind of dropped the ball a little bit here, Captain. From the tips that they're getting, one of those people would have been Buster Murdoch. That they're hearing tips about Buster Murdoch and some of his friends, but they're not actually speaking with Buster and these friends. Some attempts were made to speak with these individuals. However, when phone calls went unanswered or emails went unreplied to, it seemed to be that that was enough to stop them from inquiring about Buster and his cronies. A lot of this captain is coming from multiple sources. And what's being said is that in the course of conducting interviews in the hit and run mysterious death of Stephen Smith, in that case, investigators heard the Murdoch name come up more than 40 times is what I was able to find. More than half of the people interviewed had heard the same rumor that Buster Murdoch was secretly gay and involved with Stephen Smith or had been involved with Stephen Smith at some point. Again, remember, they were classmates. I believe the name of their high school that they both attended was Wade High School. ABC 15 News reported that case files indicated 10 of 18 people interviewed by Highway Patrol had mentioned Murdoch possibly being involved in the death of Stephen with some indicating Stephen and Buster may have been in a relationship. However, law enforcement was never able to formally tie Buster Murdoch to the case, nor track down the original source of some of these rumors. Additionally, attempts to reach Buster for questioning went unanswered. Records showed. What happened was the Highway Patrol Sergeant Proctor called Buster to talk to him, about Stephen Smith, but Buster conveniently never answered his phone. So Proctor emailed him and never got a response. And it appears that that once that went down, Captain Sergeant Proctor ran out of ideas and just kind of gave up on talking with Buster Murdoch. Well, yeah, and you have to remember this family has a lot of power in this community. And so 
at least they're trying to investigate this. At least they're trying to ask questions. It's a sticky situation. I wish that it would have been pursued much more hardcore than that. You have a situation where you're hearing, you're simply hearing rumors as the investigator. That's all that this stuff is. You cannot formally tie Buster to the victim here. You also can't get any hardcore evidence to tie the two of them together, but you're hearing the same rumor over and over again. So it is something that does need to be tracked down and something that needs to be, to be sourced and, and figure out why you are hearing this person's name, his friend's names, and why he's tied to this story time and time again, when you're talking with people that know the victim or that went to school with the victim. Well, you're hearing from his partner about the harassment you're hearing from others about his harassment and being bullied that instantly takes this investigation not from just a murder but a hate crime more stiff penalties for for that situation so like always the the murdochs seem to be not answering questions and trying to protect themselves it looks like that in some point in 2016 the investigation into the mysterious death of Stephen Smith well, that case stalled, and I don't know if we would call it a cold case, but it simply stalled out, and this would be until Paul Murdoch was shot dead when we have SLED announcing that it was taking a new look at the case. Again, this is six years later. Well, obviously, since they found something from this double homicide that led them to reopen this case, the whole world is wondering... How is this connected to the Murdochs? Yeah, everybody's going to want to know answers to that question and many more. But, of course, SLED is not going to address what the information was that that they gathered in the Murdoch investigation, what may have led them to Stephen Smith, or why they're reopening this investigation and how it's linked to the Murdoch case. It's it's all very it's all very confusing, but there's a lot of stuff that's obviously going on behind the scenes here that we are just not privy to. The Stephen Smith case, when Sled announced that they were going to be examining the case, this is when we have Stephen's mother, Sandy Smith. She told Fitz News, quote, I've been waiting on this day for 2,174 days. Wow. She said that on the night that Stephen died, apparently Stephen ran out of gas. But his mother has said publicly and repeatedly that she does not and will not believe that Stephen was accidentally hit by a vehicle. She told the Hampton County Guardian that she believed her son's death was the result of foul play and a possible hate crime because her son was openly gay. And then we also have some other information coming from the family that it, apparently at some point, Stephen Smith told his twin sister that he had a fling with a boy and that the boy he was involved with was privileged. Now, we don't have the sister naming any names, just the fact that her brother told her that he was involved or had a fling with a boy and it was a privileged boy or a boy from a privileged family. Law enforcement is not opening up their case files for us to take a peek, right? Mm -hmm. So when you hear these rumors time and time again, you're going to go talk to the community. You're going to talk to people that went to school with them. I guarantee you that they have 
eyewitnesses or at least ear witnesses that also heard these rumors. Just taking a look at what little information has been put out there about the Stephen Smith case and the Stephen Smith crime scene. He's found about three miles from where they find his abandoned vehicle. One point that I cannot shake is a fact that his mother has brought up time and time again, that her son would not have been out there walking the street, trying to get somewhere, trying to find gas, and then accidentally got hit by this vehicle. I believe the general thought is that he was walking and he was walking in the road and maybe a semi truck that didn't see him. And apparently he didn't see the semi truck or was too close to it that one of the mirrors smacked him as it drove by, hit him right in the head. And that's why we don't have other injuries to other parts of his body and just the head. Well, that would make some sense. That's the thought. However, everybody knows to get the hell out of the way of the semi truck. And again, we pointed out he would have seen this truck at a good distance away. And then we have to factor in that whoever hit him never bothers to report it or didn't know that they hit him. But the thing that she says that I cannot shake and I have to keep circling back to is that Steven had a cell phone with him that night. She says, I know my son, he wouldn't have been out there walking. He would have called someone. Somebody would have went and picked him up or somebody would have taken gas to him or he would have called and got a ride from somebody. I mean, and we know he had some communication with his partner or boyfriend, according to that man. Yes. Right. According to that man. The thing is, it troubles me and I, it really boggles my mind to, to discredit his mother and say, you know what? Not only would he not call for help, but he would walk three miles before an accident would occur. I mean, how long was he going to walk without calling anybody? It, right. it just doesn't it doesn't ring sense. true. It doesn't ring true. So what could have happened here is somebody could have been harassing him. He could have run out of gas, just like the the man says that, hey, I was on the phone with him, says some guys in a, a truck are harassing him, and he's going to run out of gas. Well, that all could have went down that way, and his car may have ended up on the side of the road. I don't argue that. I don't think that he walked to where his body was later found. And until somebody can prove to me that that is the case, I just have a hard time believing that. The Smith family had an open casket funeral for Stephen. And this was so everyone could see what was done to him. His mother, Sandy, said his head had to be reconstructed with putty for the viewing. And there was something else. The day that Stephen passed away, Randy Murdoch was the second person to call the family after the coroner. This is according to Stephen's twin sister, Stephanie. She has said on the record repeatedly that on the day that her brother was killed, they receive a phone call from the coroner to let them know that a loved one has expired. The second call that her father got received after being notified to the death of his son is from Randy Murdoch, Alec Murdoch's brother. He's saying Randy Murdoch is telling the father that he wanted to take on the case and he would take on the case free of charge. The family told police that they thought that this offer was weird. Why would the Murdoch's offer to help free of charge seemingly 
out of the blue. Well, this is the same thing that they tried to do with the boating accident. Let's get somebody on the inside so we can control the narrative. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. 
Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back. And a quick reminder, if you need more True Crime Garage for your earballs, check out our bonus show called Off the Record. And if you want to see us live at BrewDog in February, well, go to our website, click on the events page. There are still a handful of tickets left to that event. Well, Captain, all of this lead up is leading us to yet another mysterious death tied to the Murdoch family. This is the death of 57-year-old Gloria Satterfield, the housekeeper and nanny for the Murdochs, who had been employed by them for 20 years. She died after a strange slip-and-fall or trip-and-fall accident at the Murdochs' home on February 2, 2018. Now, supposedly, she tripped over the family dogs, fell down the stairs, hit her head, and suffered severe head trauma. While hospitalized from the fall, Gloria had a stroke, went into cardiac arrest, and then died on February 26th, 2018. Let's take a quick minute to listen to this news clip where they're going to play a portion of that 911 call. And we begin with that breaking news here at 5. SLED released a 911 call as part of the investigation into the death of former prominent South Carolina attorney Alex Murdoch's housekeeper. Gloria Satterfield died in 2018 after falling at the Murdoch's family home. According to a report from the Compton County Sheriff's Office, the 911 call was initially made from a person identified as Maggie. Take a listen. What's going on out there? Uh, my housekeeper has fallen and her head is bleeding. I cannot get her up. Okay, you said she's fallen. She's bleeding from the head? Yes. Okay, is she on the ground or is she up near the top? She's on the ground. She's on the ground. She's on the ground. Is she conscious? Uh, no, not really. Is she awake at all? Yes. Here's another clip where you'll hear Maggie, and it's believed to be Paul, responding to the 911 operator. She's just not 
like responding appropriately, but she is awake. <laughs> Ma'am, she's not. No, she's not responding. Okay, I just I, I've already got the mom away. Me asking questions does not slow them down, ma'am. Knowing if she's conscious is one of the things that the medic needs to know. If she's responding really. at all to you. No. Do you know if she's ever had a stroke or anything before? Ma'am, can you stop asking her this question? I already have them on the way. I already have them on the way. Me asking questions does not slow them down in any way. These are relevant questions that I have to ask for the ambulance. Not unconscious. She's just mumbling. Okay. I believe she's maybe hit her head and maybe has a concussion or something. Okay. Maybe. Now, obviously, we don't have the whole clip to analyze, but it's pretty telling that both times when a member of the Murdoch family gets irritated with the 911 operator, that once they push back, once the operator pushes back and says, look, me asking these questions does not affect what time the ambulance is going to get there. And these, this is information we need to know. It goes from... Um, you know, ma'am, why do you need to ask that? I'm so annoyed to answering the question, not only by the mother, but also by the son. Yeah, and the tricky thing here is when you're looking at these 911 calls and, and giving a little analysis on them, look, the you're right. When, when you first get the pushback from, uh, ma'am, can you quit asking us all these questions, basically, is what... Uh, again, it's reported to be Paul Murdoch who who says that on the nine one one call. You you go with the situation of of thinking, well, they don't want the nine one one operator asking too many questions because they don't know how to answer them because whatever situation they are phoning in, they might be telling lies or making it up. But as someone who's been in a situation where I've had to rely on 911 and calling for the help of others, I can I can kind of side with the Murdochs here with Maggie and Paul in the regard that in the situation I was in, it was it was me by myself and the other person was unresponsive. And so I was caught in this catch 22 situation of trying to answer the operator's questions, but also feeling like I need to be tending to the person that I'm calling about. I found myself in a situation where I caught myself getting a little frustrated with the operator because I felt like my time was better served for the person that I was calling about. So the, the but different circumstances because there's a whole family there. So it's not like he's going, Hey ma'am, stop asking her these questions. Cause she's tending to her they have multiple people making this phone call. So. Right. Every situation certainly is, is different and unique. And so I'm just trying to offer a little, a little aside here on why this might be it. Cause it, they don't come off. Well, Paul and his mother do not come off. Well, sounding well in this, this clip here. And I'm well, not running. Arrogant. To, I'm not running to their defense, but I'm just offering up information as to why they may come off as sounding arrogant or frustrated with the operator. I don't know that we should say that the whole family was at the home when this accident took place. That's not my understanding right. of the situation. So it very well may have just been Maggie and Paul there along with Gloria Satterfield. Regardless, at the end of the day, sadly, Gloria succumbed to her injuries. As said, while in the hospital, 24 Days later, she has a stroke and goes into cardiac arrest and then passes away. 
the aftermath is where things get really complicated for the Murdochs and for this true crime story that we're trying to tell here today. And that's because in December of 2018, a lawsuit was filed on behalf of the Satterfield's adult sons. This lawsuit is filed against Alec Murdoch. This was because, as the story goes, according to the Satterfield boys, that at Gloria's funeral, Alec tells the boys that, look, this is this is my, not necessarily his fault, but something that he's somewhat responsible for because this happened at his home. And that he would take care of them by getting them money. They deserve some money for the death of their mother. And that he would get them money from his personal liability insurance provider. So most of us out there have insurance that will cover us if some horrific accident like this were to take place or or whatever the situation is takes place at your home right that somebody can be compensated and it doesn't have to be going after the the homeowner personally well a lot of people do die from falls and especially stair falls and then you would also the initial story seems plausible Anyways, right? The She gets caught up with the dogs. She trips and falls. Mm-hmm. So Alec Murdoch has a policy in place to protect him in the event of anything happening at his home. So he says, hey, I'm going to hook you up with an attorney. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to sue me. And then my insurance company will take care of paying everybody. So what he does is he, quote unquote, hooks them up with Corey Fleming. Remember Corey Fleming, he's the lawyer that Alec got to represent Connor Cook in the boating accident case. Right. And Corey Fleming arranged for Chad Westendorf, a banker at Palmetto State Bank, to serve as the personal representative of Gloria's estate. So Chad's job will be to represent her sons and her son's interest as far as lawsuits, negotiations, and settlements are concerned. Now, per this plan, we have Westendorf and Fleming. They then file a wrongful death suit on behalf of Gloria's estate against Alec Murdoch. The lawsuit raised a wrongful death claim but did not allege any criminality on the Murdoch's part. And in court, Alec admitted that the accidental death had occurred in his home. So his insurance company needed to pay up. This is all fairly common stuff. But when you throw in a tragic boat accident, a double homicide, and then this weird foul play slash hit and run case all surrounding the same people, well, this then becomes a very sticky situation and and really just another mystery along the way. But here we have another situation, Captain, where Alec is getting involved and Look, the the boat situation is one whole different mess entirely, but this would be rather unconventional for a person to come forward and arrange for the other party to sue themselves, right? Like, I'm, I'm going to have you, Captain, sue me, and I'm going to help you do that by hooking you up with an attorney and telling you what you should do and leading you to suing me. Yeah, it all just comes off as very shady. Correct. Now, 
anybody on the outside looking in would say the same thing and go, well, this is, this seems very fishy where the things get dicey for all parties involved and where things I think just get a little confusing for the Satterfields is again, the mother Gloria, she worked for the Murdochs for 20 years. This guy is a successful attorney. He's a big time lawyer. They trusted him. That's, that's where a lot of problems seem to be in this case. People trusting people that they find out much later, they probably really didn't know that person very well. And it, had they known them the way that they know them now, there would be no trust. This happens a lot. I mean, even in, with business, anytime that there's a serious business decision, you should have outsiders that are not connected to you help you. So when this guy comes forward and says, hey, look, you should sue me, and here's the lawyer to do so. Mm -hmm. You could easily say, okay, well, this lawyer is not Alex's brother. It's not a family member, but he is still connected to Alex. So you go, hey, thanks for the advice, but no thank you, because this is now a business transaction, and I need to get somebody that is not connected to the situation in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Ten months after the lawsuit, Alex Insurance Company settled for $505,000 to compensate Gloria's sons for their pain and suffering. Of this, after fees taken by the law firm, the Satterfield boys were supposed to see a payout of $475,000. Then their attorney... Corey Fleming submitted a second wrongful death claim and pursuant to this in a second settlement, a second insurance company agreed to pay $4.3 million of this amount. The boys were supposed to get $2.76 million after all the fees and payments to their lawyers per an order signed by a one judge Carmen Mullen on May 13th, 2019. Well, Seems like this all worked out in the end per what Alec told the boys that they should get for the loss of their mother. However, Gloria's sons never got any money at all. They didn't see any money. Not only did they, did they not get any money, it sounds like they didn't know about the settlements at all. This until they read about it in the newspaper during the wake of the whole Murdoch saga in 2021. And the report says, quote, they were never told of the settlements. They were never told of the court hearings. They were never told of the disbursements. So even though they sign up to sue Alec Murdoch, their, their attorney, Corey Fleming, kept them at a good distance to the point where they didn't know about the settlements. They didn't know about court hearings. They didn't know that money was being paid out in those lawsuits. So what the heck's going on here? Well, as our listeners can easily put it together, this whole thing has been engineered by Alec Murdoch, his buddy, Corey Fleming. And then now they bring in another bad guy, Chad Westendorf, Corey Fleming, as we pointed out, was Alex, Alec Murdoch's college roommate and the godfather to his son, Paul, a connection not disclosed to the Satterfield sons, according to their lawsuit. And Chad Westendorf took on the role as a court-appointed personal representative, a fiduciary for the boys who was supposed to represent their interest in the administration of the lawsuit. 
Instead, it appears that the three men entered into a scheme to keep the money. Legal fees of $1.4 million were collected by Fleming's firm, in which he was named partner. All right? You went out and you drummed up some good business for us. Guess what? We're going to make you a partner. And what Westendorf got, we don't know, but it was almost certainly a good chunk of change, or at least fees racked up by his bank. And Alec Murdoch pocketed the rest. Yes, you're hearing that right. Alec Murdoch teamed up with some of his buddies and shafted the poor Satterfield boys at the same time as ripping off these insurance companies and keeping the money for himself and for themselves. I just want everybody to ponder this for a second. You have to understand that their mother died serving this family. It is not until after the double homicide, years later, what, three years later, they learn, oh, by the way, we did win those lawsuits and we were granted a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't bring back their mother, but it it helps out their family quite a bit. And they didn't find out that they were awarded that money, like I said, about three years later. Well, they instantly know that they're cheated, right? When they right. read that the and betrayal. see that in the newspaper that we actually won these lawsuits and settled out of court unbeknownst to us. So where the heck is all that money? Well, this is going to lead them to sue basically Alec Murdoch again, but also now they're going to sue everybody that was involved, Corey Fleming, Chad Westendorf, and the companies that they work for, basically suing any person or entity that made money the wrong way the first time around. And they filed that suit in September of 2021. Again, this is because Alec Murdoch allegedly diverted more than $3.5 million in death settlement money meant for the Satterfields to an account controlled by him personally. Okay, so the way that this works out, Captain, is Alec directed Corey Fleming, his good old buddy and pal, to pay the death settlement monies intended for the Satterfields to an account called Forge at a P.O. box in Hampton, South Carolina. It's called Forge. Forge. Now, the reason why he did this is there is another company, a legitimate company named Forge Consulting LLC, that often did business with Alec Murdoch's private firm, PMPED, in structuring these payout settlements. So Alec used this name or created this fake company in a similar name to a legitimate company. So this gets real confusing when somebody tries to go back and forensically go through the paperwork and try to find out where money's got misappropriated. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the Satterfields have no idea about the settlements Furthermore, the second settlement for $4.3 million was never placed in any public court docket. So shady. That's right. It was never placed in any public court docket. The fact that the whole thing was done off the record, if you're nasty, Mm -hmm. makes it clear that it was intended to be a secret. This second claim was never filed in state court, so there is no public record of the settlement. Nothing is on the court record. That's a direct quote from the Satterfield boys' new attorney. And 
look, Captain, to put it plain and simple, this is not kosher. Because under South Carolina law, settlement documents are supposed to be a matter of public record filed in state court. What this means is that this was all done off the books, under the table, on the DL, and was clearly fraudulent. In short, Alec Murdoch, Corey Fleming, and Westendorf used the Satterfield boys as their pawns to line their own pockets. Well, and even if their plan was, well, let's get this money, not tell them about it. I'm going to take this money, turn it into more money, so then I get a little bit more of the pie, but they still get their money. It's still a sham. Well, good news, Captain, because in October of last year, Corey Fleming and his law firm that he worked for agreed to a settlement with the Satterfields. Corey Fleming and his firm have agreed to pay back all legal fees and expenses and will pay full policy limits to the Satterfield estate. Now, Corey Fleming, he's forever cunning, isn't he? He's not admitting that he did anything wrong. On the contrary, he claims that he too is a victim of Alec Murdoch. But his firm, Corey Fleming's firm that he worked for, in which he was once named partner, they're not buying it, and neither am I. After the settlement was announced, they cut ties with Corey Fleming, and the South Carolina Supreme Court promptly suspended Corey Fleming's license to practice law. This shows you the character of Alec Murdoch. You have somebody that served your family for all those years, somebody that should be as close as a family member to you, and you straight lie to her sons and say, do this and I'll help get you the money that you should be awarded. You get that money awarded to them from these insurance companies mm -hmm. that you probably have been scamming for years. And you don't even tell them about it. I'm assuming the plan was for him to keep the money. Oh, yeah. And it he just shows you how big of a scumbag this guy is. And then when you see Paul's actions, when you saw, see Buster's actions, this this man with zero character, just a low-life scumbag, no wonder they had not a shred of good character in their body. And what's amazing here to me, Captain, is it looks to me that there's a strong possibility that the Satterfields may have never sued Alec Murdoch to begin with, and that Alec Murdoch pretty much spearheaded this whole lawsuit to begin with. He sees their tragic loss. These boys, and I keep calling them boys, they're, they're young men. They were very close to their mother, very close to their mother, and yet he sees their tragic loss as an opportunity for him to make a few bucks. And it's just, I mean, it's absolutely sickening. Now, this other part, there's more to the Satterfield's lawsuit. And this part, to me, is extra concerning, Captain. The Sons made it clear, the Satterfield boys made it clear that they were never informed what actually happened to their mother. It seems as though people still have questions, unanswered questions, all these years after Gloria's death as to exactly how she died in the Murdoch home. Per the New York Times, quote, Angela Topper, 
The coroner in Hampton County, South Carolina, said the death was never reported to her office and no autopsy was conducted. Now that Alec Murdoch's entire life is under a cloud of suspicion, the, the coroner requested a reopening of the Gloria Satterfield's death inquiry. The problem with all this is you can't believe a word that comes from anybody in the Murdoch family because for all we know, it was an accident, but you have to change the way the event happens in order for it to be a slam dunk case against the insurance policy. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What really happened to Gloria Satterfield remains unclear on September 15th, spurred by the lawsuit by the Satterfields alleging the fraudulent insurance settlement plot and the letter from the coroner and all the rumors and suspicions surrounding Alec Murdoch sled announced that it was opening a criminal investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield and also going to investigate the alleged misuse of the insurance proceeds. So for those keeping score, we have one accidental death, one family conned out of insurance money, one tragic boating accident, one attempted cover up, and a double homicide. Colonel, do we have anything left in this saga? Surprisingly enough, there is more. For everything true crime, I check out truecrimegarage.com. And ladies, we have some really cool new long sleeve t-shirts. Check those out. Limited number at truecrimegarage.com. And until tomorrow, be good, be kind, and don't burn. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.